Hello there. Welcome to another edition of Adsum with David Firth. Welcome, everybody, to the latest episode of Adsum. And I'm here today with my good friend, Tom LaRotonda. And uh, let me say a couple of things about Tom's introduction. You can read the bio in the on the podcast page yourselves, but let me just give you a couple of flavors of Tom. One is that when Tom went into semi-retirement, I think he calls it, uh, and left Denver and went out to Arizona, he had a small party of his closest friends, and I was honored to be one of those. Mm. And the other thing is about that retirement thing, because uh, on his bio, it says that Tom is semi-retired, and we'll talk a bit about exactly what he's up to in that semi-retirement. But I know that uh, the Latin derivation of retire means basically to pull back or to withdraw. And Tom may have withdrawn from the heady city, which is Denver, to the quietest places of Arizona. And he may have respond, uh, retired, withdrawn, pulled back from certain sorts of work, although I know he's up to some new things as well. But I know one thing for sure about Tom LaRotonda, he has never, never withdrawn from life or his fascination for life and his love for life. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is my guest today, Tom LaRotonda. Hi, Tom. David, what a pleasure to be here with you. I always enjoy our time together and look forward to today. Oh, thank you. Good, good, good. So semi-retirement, how's that going for you, Tom? Great question. <laughs> <laughs> Golf and... You know, I'll be honest with you. Um, I absolutely love it. And also it's very surreal. At first, when I came down to Arizona, I was quite the adventurer and I was doing, you know, getting out and checking out things. Uh, and I did not build one thing into the equation. And that was this thing called uh, COVID. And so I'd been here just six months and uh, the new year of 2020, I was I had a number of plans. And next thing I know, my plans had to change, just like you and everybody else. Mm -hmm. But you're right. It did cause me to really take that time. And as a retired person or semi-retired person, at that time, I'd say I was fully retired. Yep. It did make me think about the continuous contribution to life and to others. And um, I realized that there's a new chapter in my life that's unfolding. And I didn't have to go through the big, big adjustment that I think, say, someone who had spent all their years in corporate America, and then suddenly, you know, you're thrust out of that situation. I mean, I was an entrepreneur. But um, so I didn't have quite that kind of an adjustment, but it really is something you have to look at inside your mind because so many stories and images and beliefs about what retirement is are thrust upon you. 
you're looked at differently. Even though your friends love you or people say, oh, wow, that's great. You know, in the back of their mind, they're saying, that poor guy. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> One step closer to the grave. There you go. <laughs> yeah. If we're going to have a party after COVID, we'll have to make it an early night for Tom. Yeah, our, our birthday gifts are going to be different going forward to him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, tell, say more about that. You were saying about the contribution, contribution to life and contribution to others. Yeah, I mean, I, I love, um, actually, the person who got, who um, really got me thinking about that is a, a, a friend of yours and mine and someone we highly respect, Stephen McGee. And I recently took a program of his online, and he used the word contributory leadership. And I thought that was a beautiful term. And um, going through that program made me realize that all my life, I've been a reluctant leader. I've always been in leadership positions, but there was always a part of me that had a reluctance to that role. And um, I think it was because there was always the question inside me, even before, you know, when I was young and, and, and more much, you know, very ambitious, but there was always that side of me of, you know, how does that factor in with the ego part of me? And, uh, but I realized that although I had all the time in the world and financially I'm doing well to do whatever I wanted to do, I began to see there was a hole in me about, yes, but what are you doing to make the world a better place? Mm. Now, you know, I've always tried or I have for a long time tried to be a very loving and kind person and things like that. And I absolutely believe that is some of the most powerful work we can do in the world. Yes. But beyond that, and given where we are in the world right now, I realize that I have gifts and talents that I'm underutilizing. Right. And so the contribution is coming from a place of, as an elder, let's call it eldership, that yes, I have a lot of experience and wisdom. And I do know I have some certain talents that if I apply them, can put ripples, you know, drop the pebble in the pond. And I decided, that, and I realized that that was the hole that was beginning to form in me was if you're not doing some sort of contribution, there, there's, there's something that's lacking. There's something that's lacking. And so, um, so yeah, so the word contribute to me is a powerful word. Yeah. Yeah, it's beautiful. And I hadn't, you know, that says something about Stephen that he put those words together. I, I hadn't heard the expression contributory leadership before. Um, you know, I use servant leadership. I'm, mm -hmm. I've been talking with a client of their organization a lot about servant leadership, which is, you know, the whole idea that rather than be, you know, out there at the front inspiring people to follow, you're behind helping and guiding. Right. Uh, so that's a you know, it's a beautiful and and you know you said it as well you know loving loving being a loving person and being a kind person particularly in the world we're living at the moment is an act of service 
Yes. Yes. So simple and, and should be so easy, but let's say it just sounds simple. And and yet, you know, what what could how could a day be different? Were we not, you know, five percent more loving right. and kind than we were yesterday? Right. Yeah. Um, just to take one step back, I agree. The moment I heard the word contributory leadership, I had never heard that either. Oh. And I told Stephen, I said, Stephen, what a powerful word. I mean, it just I could feel it in my you know in my bones. You know, yeah. it's like, wow, that's that's a powerful term there. Yeah. And and then to um, bookend what you you know, what in terms of being kind and loving I, I remember there was a quote from Gandhi, and I don't remember the exact quote uh, uh, word for word, but to paraphrase it, you know, he basically said, if you're a coward, you really can't express love. Love is a prerogative of the courageous. Wow. Yeah, yeah. And, oh, yeah, that, that, that you know, because when you think of prerogative, that's like a privilege or something like that. But what, really what it says to me is that if you're coming from a place of fear, that it's not that you lose the privilege to be courageous with love. It simply means as long as you're in that fear, it's impossible to even step into the place of love. Yes. And that comes goes back to my foundation, the most instrumental philosophy in my life that had a huge impact on my life back in the 90s was A Course in Miracles. And there, you know, it it makes it very clear um, that there's only two primary emotions in the world, love and fear. And that at any moment, you can only be in one place at a time. Either you're in love or you're in fear. And miracles occur when you go from fear to love. Yes. And and that ever since then, that's been just those that simple terminology, that simple philosophy turned my entire life around. Yes. Yeah. And and absolutely. And, you know, I'm thinking of the insight I got. It would not surprise me if you gave it, but gave it to me. But the, you know, the traditional thinking, of course, is that the opposite of love is hate. Right. What we're saying here is that the opposite of love is fear. That's right. And just before we got on the call, we were talking about our mutual uh, admiration for Rupert Spira, you know, the, the non-dual teacher and speaker. And, and, you know, just the other day, I was hearing him talking about, you know, if you can identify, you know, what if you have a desire to for something, if you have a, a, a vision for something or you know, drive to do something, before you act, you know, sit and, and inquire, is this coming from any sort of fear? Any right. sort of, and the things around fear, like lack or comparison or you know, judgment or whatever it might be, because if it's, if it's there to fill a gap that you right. say you have, it, you know, it's, it's not going to have the same impact on you in the world as if you realize it's coming from love, in which case. Correct. Right. Well, let me share with you just one. Uh, I, I was I pulled out the book, of course, in miracles this morning. Yep. I really I, I live my life pretty much from that philosophy. Yep. Uh, but I haven't been studying it lately. And before the podcast, something just caused me to pick the book off the shelf, and I opened it, 
And in the very beginning of the book, and I, I believe you studied the course, is that correct, David? Not as deeply as you, nowhere near. Yeah, okay. Well, in the, in the very first chapter, it goes through and it gives the, the principles of a miracle, the, you know, the meaning of miracles. And I, I just want to read this one. It's very short. Uh, it's number three. And what it says is miracles occur naturally as expressions of love. The real miracle is the love that inspires them. In this sense, everything coming, everything that comes from love is a miracle. Now, if you embrace that, why would we ever not love? If, you know, and I believe your listeners out there and anybody that we're dealing with as clients and people like that, right now that they'd probably all say, you know, we need a miracle in this world. We need some miracles going on. Sure. Sure. They would also say we need more love in the world. Correct. Yeah. I, you know, and I, as you know, you know, Tom, well, so much of my life in the corporate world, uh, I think I've met very few people in the corporate world for whom, when I say, what's the most important thing in your life, they would say the love of my friends and family. What do you want more in your life? The love of, the love of friends yeah. and family. Yeah? And, but, and, and then I say, well, why? how can we act more in alignment with that in your leadership and in this organization and in this team or whatever, you know, they, I, I'm just wondering what that reluctance you talked about earlier on pops up because right. this, you know, maybe it's just in the corporate world. I don't know, but this idea that, um, you know, this, this love thing, I'll get round to it. You know, I'll have more time for it when I'm retired. Right. <laughs> you know I mean? Right. <laughs> I, I have to get my kids through college and I have to, you know, pay the mortgage off and all that stuff. And then I, but don't you worry. You'll see right. how loving I am. <laughs> you know, when I'm right. there, you know? But, well, I remember as a child and I, you know, my first early years, I was raised um, as a Roman Catholic. Hmm. You know, my, my father was pure blooded Italian. And I remember going to St. Dominic's in Denver, Colorado. Um, but the church is still there. Uh, right. not school is any longer there, but I remember as a little kid, even this is probably when I was in kindergarten that, so we'd go to church on Sunday and we'd get into the parking lot and we'd go in and we'd have this ritual, very beautiful Latin that back then the mass was in Latin. And then you get out in the parking lot and then the cars would get all jammed up and everybody was flipping each other off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. We've done our love bit. Yeah, right, right, yeah. We even said the right words in Latin, and so. But meanwhile, in this thing called we call the real world, yeah, yeah. You know, you mentioned the course in miracles. We'll go back to that because I want I want to explore that that quotation a bit more. But you know, and you asked me about my experience of course in miracles. My um path to that was through Marianne Williamson. Yes, yes. Who um, was once asked, so is this love you talk so much about, Marianne, that you say it is the guiding force in the universe and the, the you know, the what we're all craving and if, if love is so great, why is there so much fear in the world? 
Mm-hmm. And her response was, it's not that fear is more powerful. It's just that right now it's better organized. Oh, I remember that quote. You're right. That is, and isn't that so true, David? That's so true. so true. And that fear thing, when, when, you know, you know, I would say, what's the justification for that? I would say that so much communication, certainly around politics, is around the organized communication around fear, about frightening people. Right, right. I, I, I have all, I, I don't know how I'm connected because I'm British and I still can't vote, but I'm still connected to all sorts of emails I get through the election of, um, saying, you know, you need to send $5. Because if you don't, then the other will win, uh, you know. And if you thought it was urgent yesterday, we really need to tell you how urgent it is now. So please just open up your wallet and send five dollars. You know, <laughs> this is all the organization of fear, you know. And it and it's everywhere that that organized nation it's built into our thinking about communication. That right. the, the, there is a gap between me here and you over there, and good communication looks like, like me somehow getting over the gap to you. But actually, the experience of gap fills us with anxiety. Right, right. Separate from, therefore, we compare, we wonder, we wonder what they're really up to, what's really Tom think, really thinking. Is, you know. And yet, if we came from love more in our communication, we'd realize we're already connected. Already connected. Well, one of the things... The Course in Miracles really puts an emphasis on a one major distinction, and that's between knowledge, um, knowledge and perception. Yeah. Okay. So knowledge is the same thing as truth. Right. And and basically, according to the Course in Miracles, all truth comes from. According to the Course, it uses the word God, but it's yeah. it's 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 that that thing that's never, you can't change it. Yes. And that's what love is. Yeah. And what the course does say is that it's not, it, it doesn't focus on explaining love because love is almost impossible to understand. Right. So it basically says you are born as a loving person. But what happens is there are, you get blocked in your love. Yes. So as we begin to walk into perceptions, we begin to form these blockades that stops love from coming through. And so, and that's whenever we get into perception, then that's where the fears comes in because truly in a state of love, there is no, there's, it's impossible for fear to exist. Yes. Because love is all inclusive. Yes. Yes. That's right. So in this particular world we're in, in this, this I'm slowly working my way back to what you were saying about you know the news that we receive, yep. how we are, what we're taught, and how we're taught will form often what we think is the truth. Yes. Yes. And I think that's a lot what's going on right now is people are fighting over perception versus truth. Because each side is saying, my perception is the truth. And, and so each is, is willing to do a lot of arguing and bickering and even worse, 
to say my truth is better than your truth. But what they're really saying is my perception of what I've been taught is better than you, your perception of what you're taught. Yes. And nobody's looking at really what what is the truth. Yes. Yeah. Which right. means if if the only real truth is love, maybe if we just all stopped and said, what is love really about? Maybe that's the basis for starting to come together. Yeah. Because that distinction, knowledge and perception, is as is like the distinction love and fear. And what we've already been saying is that when you're in coming from a place of love, there's no fear. Right. When you're coming from a place of fear, there is no <laughs> love. Yeah. Right. And so too with the knowledge and perception, truth and perceptions about the truth or stories about the, the, the truth. There there is no getting, I would say, to unity through a sharing of perceptions. No. No. That's you're you're hundred percent correct. And yet it's in this world, we have learned to really become masterful at perceptions and how to sell perceptions. Yes. And, you know, I mean, we could do hours on end talking about that, how that's yeah. done. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Right, right. And so, you know, so I guess sort of looking back at, as I look forward to a contribution, my challenge, I think, it's funny. It's just coming up right now in this in this radio broadcast. Is how can I help move people from taking their focus and the emotions because perception really taps into those those lowercase emotions. Yes. And moving into get in touch with what is real, so that all those negative emotions begin to calm down and realize that from that place, you're safe. Yes. And from that place, you're powerful. Yes. We are not near as powerful when we're down in the perception side of things. No. And we, in that place, we realize that we are a heck of a lot closer than we thought we were. Correct. And actually, in, yes. In, in, in truth, we are. <laughs> we are connected because all part of the same truth. But literally, the feeling what for, for most people would be, I guess, and this is something you know, um, my love of open space meetings, and I, I you know, we, at the end of open space meetings, we ask people what the experience has been, and nine times out of ten, somebody will say. I didn't realize when I came into this room to start this process two days ago, or whatever, I didn't realize how connected we actually were, how we actually saw the same problems in the same way. Actually, we were committed to the same outcomes. Actually, we were, I just didn't realize. And in, in what we've just been talking about, why? Because they had perceptions and you have perceptions right. over there and we were dueling perceptions and thought we were miles apart. Right. 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 Whereas open space gets you into this place of shared questioning, shared inquiry into what is true for us. And at that point you realize, oh, this person down the road who I thought was my enemy is not. 
And I've always been fascinated so much with your work on open spaces. What do you think is the miracle there, David, of open space? Whoa. Well, I, I actually, of, of, ever since I experienced open space at a business conference myself 20 years ago, there was a part of me that realized that what open space was doing was giving peace, giving people an experience of love. Because it was saying the only thing that we are sure of in this room is that we're all here because of this big question that's been identified and that's going to be the focus or the invitation to the conversations we're about to have. Beyond that, pretty much you go for it. Right. Go wherever you want to go, speak with whoever you want to speak about, speak about whatever you want to speak about in relation to this big question. We'll see you back here at three o'clock. And then at three mm-hmm. o'clock, we get back together and say, how's it going? And we say, off you go again. And we'll see you back here at six o'clock. Great. And that is so rare an experience in most human organizations. Because mm-hmm. most human organizations, as soon as you get above more than 10 people in the room, I'm talking pre-COVID times here, you know, the anxiety of the leadership is it's going to be chaos. You know, they'll run around, break the machinery if we let them speak what they want to speak about, with whom they want to speak about. So we need to give them structure. We'll tell them when to have breaks. We'll tell them when to go into a breakout group. We'll tell them what to talk about in the breakout group. <laughs> we'll right. tell them to come back and report back their best findings from the breakout. So it's a micro, you know, it's a micro control. Most most large group meetings in big organizations and institutions and in society are experiments in how they can control the crowd. And that's fear. Right. That's right. Fear. That's the organization of fear that Marianne Williams is talking about, Williamson is talking about. Whereas open space is basically coming from a place of love, which is you're you're an adult, you're powerful, you are wise, go out and explore what that feels like in the form of these conversations towards this thing. So that's I hear the word in empowerment there. I hear yeah. that it really empowers people to be sovereign in a way, you know, to, you know, um, and a slowing down, yes, you know, because that's one of the things I, I am so um, adamant about within my own life. And I still work with a few clients. And um, that's one of the things is I've really realized the power of simplicity. Yeah. And to really just break everything down into its base sort of components versus all the noise that goes around it, you know, how do we get to the middle? And that, and so what I hear in the open space, and I personally have not experienced one, David, I've experienced it through some of the stories you have told me over the years. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I look actually forward to experiencing that um, because I think that would be a wonderful experience, but I spent 20 years in corporate America and you're right. And it, in an, and it isn't at first even thought of that micromanaging. I was taught that's how you lead. You, you have you have your fingers on everything, you know. And and I thought I was being a good leader. Yeah. Oh yeah. Right. Yeah. There's all sorts of good intentions behind that control. That's right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. And the other aspect of that is that. The less sovereign people are, the more they actually almost embrace micromanagement. Yes. 
and which then makes us vulnerable, right? Makes the people vulnerable in the sense that, okay, I just sort of forfeit to you authority. Yes. And then look at the world. That's why I was bringing it up. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the, you're right. We, and I'm saying now we as a society which is based on this structure of organized various organizations of fear. I call it sometimes the front of the room thing where there's one person at the front and they're the leader or whatever, you know. Um, we can become complicit in giving away our own power. Right. And thinking that that, for example, is what citizenship is about. You know, we voted you into power. Off you go. You made some promises. Hope you keep them. And we'll be back in two or four years to let you know how we think you are doing. Right. You know, and that, that's been the structure of society for centuries, millennia maybe, but certainly centuries. You add into that what's happened in the world over the last 10, 15 years of the sort of customization of everything. You know, we are consumers now and more than we are apparently human beings. We are customers um, and we're always being asked for feedback. Right. You know, you can't go for a meal. You can't go for a, you can't get a Grubhub delivered without, within seconds of you getting the meal, a text coming through saying, how did we do? So you've been put into this identity that apparently my contribution is to let other people know how they are doing with their power. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and yeah, and, uh, and then is it is it any surprise that we get disappointed with how it goes out there you know and how that disappointment can either come with uh, in the form of further withdrawal and and depression and fear and you know abuse or a rising up to try and take power back right and to add on top of not only are we being asked but what we're, we're not even being asked anymore under this new surveillance um <laughs> you know, that has been developed through amazing technology. Yeah. But, you know, the truth is, or, well, it's interesting when I say the truth is, I'll, let, let, let's just say I'll call it a, a, a very strong perception is, is that we're being listened to all the time now. Yeah. And, and that information is that it's actually the data that is on us that has now become the main commodity in the world because the, when you have that kind of knowledge uh, or, or um, information about a person, then you can begin to do some psychological things like send them the ad just as, just as they're feeling hungry and, and, um, you and the data has shown that, hey, this time of day, David likes to stop and have his uh, vanilla latte. Yeah, right, yeah. <laughs> so let's pop up an ad for him. Yeah. yeah. I guess I guess the reason you know I don't want to veer too far off here, but the whole you know thinking back to your open space, the miracle there sounds like it is the fact that for the first time people, it probably takes them you know probably takes them that first hour or so to trust it, but they actually begin to see and experience that my voice will be heard. My idea is not crazy. 
Yeah. And my my lowest position, I may have the lowest position in the company, but it, my idea could make a difference to, you know, the future of what's going to happen here. And I, and I have seen, and, and I don't, you know, and, and, and I, honestly, I could speak all day, every day about open space, and I don't, you know, I don't want to consume the conversation with it, but I have seen extraordinary things happen, <laughs> particularly in the business world, where ideas get born in a, in a little conversation that comes out at some point during the open space process. And, and all of a sudden, you know, six months, nine months later, it's a product on a shelf making a lot of money. Right. And that came for a conversation between two or three people. Right. You know, it didn't, it wasn't like there had to be a large number of people to agree on this. It, just, it, it planted a seed and then the seed grew and then it got turned into a project and then it got turned into a product. But yeah, the, the, that's right. You know, the, it also comes back to the courage thing you were talking about earlier on. You're right. They get this sense when, they, when you know, people are pretty smart. They, they, they realize when I'm sort of facilitating the beginning of the open space, they work out well, from the laws and the principles that this guy's just described, we don't actually have to do anything we don't want to do. Right. <laughs> and if we flip that on the head, we get to do what we want to do. You know, we get to talk about what we want to talk about. But I need to step into the circle, write my invitation to conversation down on that piece of paper in the middle of that circle. That's right. And I remember doing an open space one, 200 people in this very large circle, you know, which is a very symbolic statement of unity is a, of course is a circle and we opened the space and off the we went and you know into the smaller groups or whatever and somebody came up to me afterwards and said you know my friend really wanted to say something but she's very nervous about getting up and it's like you know could, could she not have put it in a box somewhere her idea mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. like i hear you but really right love requires courage that you hit it so on the head there. I'm so glad you brought that up, David. And, and, you know, a, a few minutes ago, you used um, the word citizenship, you know, that has been so front and center for, for me, because I'll be honest with you, my entire life, I, I was a non-involved citizen. I didn't, I didn't like politics. I always had an inner sense about something about politics that I just didn't get drawn into. But in the last, the, for me, the last four years, it's made me realize that by sort of dropping out from being um, a informed citizen, I forfeited a lot of, of you know, I put freedom at, at risk. I know that's a strong statement and I'm just, you know, but I, I, for myself, I actually believe that. And so if you take that balance of, love and what isn't love, you know, um, and, and the perception, the knowledge. Okay. So I have a pretty good solid understanding that the only thing that's true is love, but here in the matrix, you know, this is a world of duality. <clears throat> and so how do I bring that love, that knowing into this world where there is um, two sides to everything, you know, nothing, there, there's no exception. There's two sides to everything in this, in this three dimensional world. And for me just to come in and say, you know, that's an illusion, forget it, you know, just, just be in love. Well, if someone is taking care of an autistic child 
that's not going to really be the most helpful information to just come in and sort of cavalierly say, if you just stay in a place of love, everything's going to be good. Yeah. It's, it's, it, there is an involvement. There is a requirement of being in this dimension that says you need to be informed. You need to be involved. Um, you know, that doesn't mean you, 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 but you do it from a place of, of almost a detachment yeah. and detachment's not the best word, but that's the word I'll use for now. But it's a place of, of you, you do everything always with the background of love there. And so maybe, you know, maybe I have certain political um, preferences. And yeah, I'll vote that way. And I'll even, you know, maybe get involved in some things, which I wasn't before. Okay. But the idea behind it is, you know, just because I happen to take this position doesn't mean I'm right. No. It just means I take this position. And it also means at any point in time, I can be convinced of something else. Yes. But I need to be informed, informed. Because another quote in the Course of Miracles, uh, I'll paraphrase it, and this one just always stood out to me, is you would rather die than change your mind. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Right? Yeah. And, and unfortunately, millions and millions of people have died because of that. Yeah, and the, the futility of the quest to declare that I'm going to change your mind, you know, sums up the, sums up the, the, the fear, you know, the organization of fear for me, you know, in a, in a simple sentence. It doesn't mean that minds don't change. My mind has changed about things over the years. I'm the one changing my mind. You know, it might be because information came in. It, it might be because of a conversation. You know, but I can't point to somebody who says I change your mind. Part of a thing. You know, I talk about the open spot. Part of a period of growth I was going through, where my mind changed. Right. But the, you know, the idea that you and I can change each other's minds, particularly if we have certain skills. I mean, this is a thing I keep, you know, coming up against with the business world, you know, the skills of influencing, skills of persuasion. You know, I say, oh, do you mean the skills of manipulation? Oh, no, 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 no. It's not manipulation. It's persuasion. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah right. Use the words again, right? Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. nicer words are better than nasty words, Dave. <laughs> Still manipulation is still control. It's still fear-based, you know. So it's part of the very problem we're trying to overcome. Right, right, yeah, yeah. And uh, another version of that um, is the word love. Yeah. Now, you and I actually, you know, we at one time had a joint website that was all yeah. about love. And we'll get likes on Facebook for uh, <laughs> <laughs> love made visible and. Uh, and uh, and loving your work, yeah. Still, I still see likes. Oh, yeah, right, right, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. So, and, anyway. and um, you know, we I would use the word unconditional love, as if I understood what unconditional love really is about. And that's where the Course of Miracles, you know, says they don't even try to explain love because it's too big for for you to understand. Yes, and I get that. And yet it became such a common theme, you know, 
be in a state of unconditional love. Okay, how do you do that? Well, you know, that means no matter what happens, you're able to love. Well, that's a big one. That's a real big one. So at one point, I started focusing more on, okay, maybe I can't always embrace such a big concept. So what would be a step down from that that I have, quote unquote, more control over? Yes. And for me, that became kindness. Because it's grounded. It's something I can actually visualize. And I said, okay. And I know that kindness is an aspect of, of, of love, of unconditional love. And that really made a difference for me. And, and I mean, this is something that just really came to me in the last three, four years, something like that. And I can clearly in my mind say to myself, yes, that's an act of kindness, Tom. Or if I'm in a situation where I have, you know, I'm starting to get triggered, then I can say to myself, what's the kind thing to do here versus the mm, reactive thing to do here? Yes. And so my journey has been, and I have a sense it's going to tie into the direction I head from here going forward, you know, my contribution for the years I have remaining is to how do we ground such a big concept of this unconditional love in down into, into um, acts of love that are more, um, we're able to digest and we're able to almost measure in a sense. Yeah. And, and um, cause I can't, you know, I mean, if I, you know, if right now I was to say to you, go love your wife, or go be kind to your wife, which, I mean, maybe that's not the best example. Maybe I should, okay, let me, let me change the example. Wouldn't, yeah, okay, good. I could come back to that because I, I get it. Yeah, but go. Right, yeah. But go love your enemy or be kind yeah. to him. Yes. Yes. It makes a difference. I, yes. I think, you know, that's, that's been my experience. I, I think as well, you know, I'd, uh, I, this morning I drove through a drive through to get a coffee. And, you know, you could, you could ask people, Tom, you know, the next time you go through the drive-thru to pick up your coffee, be kind to the server of the coffee at the window there or be neutral. Mm-hmm. Right. You know what the difference was, I think. For me, yeah. it, being kind to the server would involve a touch more eye contact or intentionality in the thank you. Right. Just engaging them. That's right. <laughs> That's right. You know, so we, we know. So too, you know, to go back to the, the example of Kerry, you know, go and love your wife. Yep. Don't know what that really looks like, given I've just come off a podcast and Kerry's, you know, making another piece of furniture in the garage there. But be kind. That that takes me to it, what, what I'm getting from this, Tom, is that one step closer towards some sort of action. So kindness yeah. might looking like, hey, Kerry, can I get you another drink or a coffee or whatever? Are you ready to stop for lunch yet? Is there anything right. I can do to help? Right. Um, you know, another word I hear a lot these days is, you know, to, to I'm a woke, you know, woke or be a white. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, I mean, suddenly I hear all these people saying I'm, a, you know, I'm awake. Now, I, I think a lot of people have are in the process of waking up. And I think that is such a beautiful thing to behold. Um, 
but it it's it's okay so what does it mean to be awoke you know and and so if i if i say okay i've, I've had an awakening I, I see the world in a different place same thing there what do you do with that oh well i i just i just you know i just want to hang out with other people that are awake well but does an awake maybe awake person goes out and does an act of kindness for someone who you don't see as being a, 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 a you know awakened um so yeah, I, I think you're right. I think I think it's the action that comes from the power of love that 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 leads to the miracles as well. And I would I would say as well, and you know, I, I don't think action is any different from speaking. I think speaking is an action. But you know, we if you said say something kind as opposed as opposed to not say something kind or don't even think about what you're going to say. You know, if you invited somebody to say something kind next time you open your mouth, that moment of consideration of how that would sound and what you would say, you know, becomes an act of kindness. Yeah. 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 And that's that pause, you know, and then that's where I think, you know, the open space does is it, it gives you that moment of pause to then ask yourself, do I want to be kind or do I want to be a jerk? You know, I mean, that's simplifying it, but you know, I like to simplify things. You know, I want to share with you, David, you know, one of the reasons I made the decision to move uh, down into Arizona and, and Tucson in particular, um, well, mainly it was because I just felt an energy here that just so aligned with me. And but I I've been so impressed here with the heart and soul of the people. Mm. It, it's 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 a very, very. I, it's, I can feel it, you know, it's real. It's, it's, it's a whole different thing. And yesterday I was taking a a hike and I passed a homeless man. I I passed him going out. Um, This was a more of an urban hike. And I think when I passed him out, I was probably, I had my headphones on, but when I came back, I had taken my headphones off. And so he engaged me and he, he actually has, he actually had some of those miniature liquor bottles I could get on the plane and yeah. He says, would you like one of these? <laughs> and I go, you know, and I says, no, thank you. And and he says, no, seriously, I, I have three or four I want to get rid of. And I actually then said, well, do you need some money? And he he said, no, I don't need money. He says, I'm just I'm just trying to get rid of these. So, you know, I I said something like, well, I just don't drink. And he says, well, do you have any friends? And <laughs> <laughs> and oh, yeah. I, I said, you know, I don't really know that many people here. But as I started to walk, he said something that caused me to, to stop. And um, we actually ended up having a, a, a good five minute interaction. And it turned out he's actually from Colorado, from Salida, Colorado. And so we, you know, we just we just had that that human connection there for a moment. And, um, you know, I, 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 I was talking to another friend of mine this morning about it. And she said, you know, Tom, maybe he just wanted to give you a gift. And I go, you know, I didn't even think about that. You know, maybe he, that was his way of giving to the world is, you know, granted, it was sort of a strange way. And uh, I said, you know, I never thought about that, that I think we all want to give. Wouldn't you say that, David? 
I think that's the thing that, so even for those people in your open space or a little bit shy, you know, what, what I think love, love is about giving. Yes. Love is about giving. And so after, you know, after I said goodbye to him and we actually shook hands, we actually shook hands, you know, we first, we did the fist bump and then he said, may I shake your hand, you know, and it would, I was so grateful that I had that interaction with him. His name was Michael. So if you're listening, Michael. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't say that to pat myself on the back. I just, I, I, I'm just processing here with you, you know, yeah. as we've gone through this conversation. That's one thing I love about our conversations, David, is we just, we just start to run and we just, we just go, go through these amazing sto- journeys together realizing the the entire interaction you had with him including including not interacting with him on the way out but on the way back yeah right uh, it's a beautiful it's a beautiful description of the hero's journey there you know you come back and there's the treasure yeah, yeah. it was a treasure and you know and and it was because it was obvious he was homeless um but you know I, I was prepared to give him a 20 dollar bill just because i you know i i i was I wanted to help if, yep. and he, but that wasn't his purpose. His purpose was something else. I don't know what it was probably connection. And, um, and at that moment, it didn't matter, you know, what political party I belong to or, you know, what religion I belong to. It was beyond that. Yeah, exactly yeah. right. And that's the, you know, going back to the truth and perception and knowledge and perception and distinction, you know, there, there, there is, in my humble opinion, there is no way we heal the divisions in society through a, a an exploration of each other's perceptions. We, we that because hidden, you know, hidden inside that desire to understand somebody else is probably a little too much of them. Maybe I can change their mind. Whereas if we can let go, let be. And, and go down to the place where we are underneath those right now diver, diverse perceptions or preferences around politics, whatever they might be, let's try and find the place where we are connected to something. The place beyond right. beyond the place of helping, even helping out, even offering money and you know, to the place of giving and receiving. Right, right. That's the place because where I- we realize... I hear, um, you know, I mean, I've heard some, some of my, even some of my friends say, you know, I really want to bring together the Republican, a group of Republicans, a group of Democrats, and see if we can find a common ground. And my first thought is already that's sort of um, a little bit tainted. How about we just bring people together just to experience connection, you know, not to try to solve a problem. Yes. Let's just learn what it is to feel good with other human beings again, especially given that, you know, for the past year, we've all been wearing masks, you know, and, and not being able to go to our normal places and stuff like that. And I realize there's that's still going on. But, you know, at the point, I think sometimes we try too hard to be kind and loving. You know, I think I think we're trying to it's it's probably the simplest thing in the world to do. But it's a choice. It takes a courageous choice to do that. Yes. 
that person that maybe you haven't spoken, not you, David, but I'm saying that, that we haven't spoken to because a year ago, you know, they hate so-and-so and, you know, and it's like you had an argument, you know, it takes courage to call them back and say, you know, let's just, I love you. Yes. We've been friends for a long time. Let's just, let's just connect. Let's, yes. let's reset to zero. Yes. That takes courage. Yeah. I actually have a situation like that in my life and, and, and I haven't taken the courage yet. Wow. And it's, it's, and how we, you know, maybe we're coming towards the end of our conversation. I don't know, but it's amazing how we can now back to the beginning where you came from at the beginning, that it takes courage to reach out like that and invite into connection. And in, in the <clears throat> world we're in right now, is is a miracle yes because there's all sort of non-miraculous conditionings and encouragements not to not to either believe our own stories and justifications and reasons for not doing it or by you know reinforcing our beliefs through media or whatever you know the 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 the, the, the default is a non-miraculous don't reach out keep right you're right. You'd rather die. Yeah. <laughs> Change your mind. <laughs> exactly. I don't want to be wrong, so I'm going to. And, and you commit. You commit a death. Yes. Maybe it, it could be the death forever of a relationship. But it's even beyond that. To me, it's a death inside us of something. It, 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 it's because I think the less we practice courage, courage tends to begin to become elusive. Yes. Wow. And I'm not talking about that courage to, you know, get a, to get a YouTube channel and be out there, you know, championing a cause. I mean, that takes courage too, but I'm talking about that real courage to basically say, maybe I am wrong about some things. Yeah. Maybe I really do need to listen um, or maybe I need to shut off all the stuff that keeps feeding me, um, you know, these perceptions and do something else. So, um, it's beautiful. So I really thank you for you being you, David, because I'm, I'm going to leave this conversation with three or four ahas for myself. <laughs> 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 Pleasure, Tom. And well, the desire to have these conversations. Yes. You know, and yeah, you, you've been, you know, really kind that you've kept coming back to open space, which you know I'm passionate about. And, but, you know, these podcasts are not designed to sell each other's books or sell each no. other's programs or whatever. They're, 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 you know, I always had an instinct that if ever I was going to do a podcast, I wanted to have conversations with people I loved that were, were valuable for, in this case, Tom and David, you know, and if then they can be a, a, a contribution to somebody else's life through the listening to this, then all the better. Yes, all the better. Right, yeah. No. And that's why there's no structure to these, you know, there was no plan, you know, other than I said I was going to talk a little bit about retirement in the in the prequel, and then, but then we're off, and we didn't know we were going to get here. You know. Well, but, you and I have never been at a loss for words, that's for sure. 
<laughs> yeah, but the courage, the thing I'm taking away is the courage, you know, the heart base, you know, because the word courage as well comes from old French core meaning heart. Courage is a, is a heart based action and not a. Right. And, and that invitation and that, that, that desire to connect. And there was Michael yesterday wanting to connect in the form of giving you, Hey, do you want this? <laughs> you know, a little bit of connection, please. Right. Worth way more than your 20 bucks. That's what I realize. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't it funny how my, you know, in the beginning, I, I my perception was, oh, you need money? Yeah. And, and right. you know, and he could have said, sure. <laughs> but he didn't. It took him courage probably to, to, actually, I don't think it took him courage because I think it actually puzzled him as to why would you ask me that? Yeah. You know, I, I he was the teacher there, not me. <laughs> Yeah, and that's the see that's but that's the power of perception. Well, if someone's homeless and they if they if they approach you, they want money. That's a perception. That's not a truth. And what's the role I'll play in that? I'll be the role of you know, beneficent provider. Yeah, and I love it when things like that happen and you know, and um he put a he, he dropped that pebble in the pond in me. Um that because when I walked away, I was filled with gratitude that that interaction had happened. I love it when synchronicity like that happened because, you know, they're angels. There's angels everywhere. Yes. He was an angel in my life. Yeah. And how many times do we walk past angels? Yes. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> angels in human form. Right. And Yashanti talks about when you come from truth, when you come from love, that if you're working, you've got your job as a data programmer, a computer programmer at IBM, whatever they do nowadays, they do data programming. I'm sounding very old now. Whatever the best job in IBM is, you can walk down the corridors of IBM and you're walking down the corridors of heaven. Wow. And if yeah. you're coming from fear, you're in that damned office doing that damned job. <laughs> Right. Yes. Yes. That's beautiful. And I love I love Adi Shanti. So yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we must get some of these people together, Tom. When we're at this COVID thing, we must uh, do. Oh, I'd love to. Yeah. 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 No, I. You know, I guess I guess to anyone who's out there listening, um, don't go into fear. You know, no matter and and. Don't go the other way either. Don't don't be thinking because something has changed that um, you know the world's suddenly going to be fixed. What this world is all about is really remembering who we truly are, which is we are we we're a walking beam of light in this world, and um, and whenever we are beaming that, miracles happen. Miracles happen. Um, so yeah, go find love today, <laughs> or, or or find it in a way of action. Yeah, kindness or something. What did the uh, youth poet laureate her poem that was in the inauguration? You know, that yes. last, uh, do you, I don't know if you remember that poem, uh, but right at the very end, 
what does she call it light i don't remember but she gets to the very end of the poem and the final two lines let's say it is light. it's either light or it's love or it's something it's something of, of that nature it's beautiful and she said we can you know we could do this together if we see the light and then she says if we be the light yes yeah the great ending to a poem is that yeah. <laughs> being one thing being it isn't another wow yeah. so tom are we done are we complete on this conversation i feel very complete david i i feel very grateful to have had this time with you i uh, i have so much respect and admiration um for the work you do and who you are and i consider you a lifelong friend yes indeed Tom, thank you so much. I love you. You take care out there in Arizona and uh, speak again soon. Okay, David, thank you. I love you too.